Hi, this is Eli from the Magic Our Way Podcast, and you are listening to the BS Podcast Network. Welcome to the Magic Our Way Podcast. I'm Kevin Smith, and now get ready for all the Disney there is. Turn up your mouse ears, kids. It's Kevin, Danny, Eli, and Lee. Jumbo, everyone. Harambe. And welcome to another edition of the Magic Our Way. Magic Our Way. Magic Our Way. Magic Our Way. The Magic Our Way podcast. They are truly magical and whatnot. Sante Sun, everyone. You're listening to the Magic Away podcast from New Orleans, Louisiana, in the United States of America. We are artistic buffs talking about Disney stuff, and this is a show in which every opinion is welcome. MagicAway.com is where you can find us for this episode. We present another edition of Did You Notice, brought to you by our very own Lee. And for this series of shows, we'll be discussing the Disney's Hollywood Studios. My name is Kevin. And I'm Danny. And on this show, we follow the Disney concept of edutainment, where we focus on your entertainment, and along the way, you just might learn a thing or two. Hey, hey, hey. And as always, to join in our discussion, we have a resident comic genius from IvoryComics.com, Mr. Eli Ivory. Hi, man. What's up, y'all? Hi, y'all. Sign up, brother. Yeah, man. Quibdo Eskimo to y'all, too. Muhammad Barakab Hagudaba. Kampai. Sake. That's right. Yes. Kung Pao. And that voice you just heard, Kung Paoing, is none other than a resident travel agent for Magical Moments Vacations, the Shaggy TA, Lee Lastavica, here in our studio today. Live. Look at that. I'm looking at you. You're I can here. smell you. I can See feel your you. presence. How does it feel being within our presence? Oh, man. All this masculinity. Well, I'm closest to him, and you see how far back I'm pushed. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, Since it's the pumped. man with no shoes on. <laughs> <laughs> it smells a lot better than that beer. <laughs> <laughs> Not a joke's alive. There you go. It's a different thing when you're away. You're right there in it. Hey, I wanted to throw out a quick uh, shout out to Austin Alvarez. Do you really, Austin? Yeah. Did he book a trip of the lukewarm cinema podcast? Of the lukewarm <laughs> cinema podcast, he actually got me, uh, got his mom in touch with me to book her trip. Oh wow! So yeah, they're going on a whirlwind trip, man. Two weeks, going to spend a week at Disney and then a, a week at Universal. Wow! So, man, all the way Two from weeks. Vegas. Yeah, it's a big old vacation. So, Austin, I'm not really sure why you weren't invited, but um, thanks for the. Thanks for the hookup. Yeah, that's uh, great. Uh, um, so who's mom going with? Her husband and another daughter person. So Their favorite kid? Yeah, yeah, her favorite kid. <laughs> you know, Austin lives on his own, so you know he's an adult. He now, has a kid. So. He, has he, has a, he has a family. He has a family. Yeah. Right. He does have He not live on his own. Yeah. Oh, I mean, like, he doesn't live at home anymore. <laughs> he has responsibilities. Uh, yeah. yeah. Responsibilities. Sounds like a family Disney trip not to be missed. Well, thank you, Miss Alvarez. That's awesome. And if anyone out there has, uh, you know, a good phone number to a good family counselor and pass that along to you oh yeah <laughs> yeah give me that number while you're at it <laughs> <laughs> and a man that needs no counseling is uh, this person coming up and he's fresh off the boat with the pirates of the magic kingdom where he serves as quartermaster we welcome back our very own office from a week kirk landry to the fat city studios hey brother what's up is it the weekend already I never show up here midweek like this. Never show up midweek. No. No. no never do midweek. Never go full week either. Always go full weekend. It's right. always a weekend. Full weekend. Full weekend. Full weekend. More weekend. There it is. It's the more weekend, full I weekend. I brought them together. There it is. I like it. Combined them. You just make that happen. Well, welcome you guys all to the studio. This is exciting because we're all here under one roof 
in one studio. Nobody's online, so all of her sound is going to sound amazing. Amazing. To feel that deepness of her voice. And, of course, um, we want to welcome, uh, once again, our listeners from Amazon Music, Audible, and all the way in India, Ghana. That platform, music and podcasting platform over there. What up, Ghana? Hey. What? Yep, yep. Ghana. Ghana. For today's episode, which you're about to feast your ears on, is once again the, another series of Did You Notice episodes. And for today, we're we, I mean, actually for this series, we are doing the Hollywood Studios. So I will turn it over to Lee, who's going to tell us what you're going to hear on this portion of Did You Notice. What part of the studios are we talking about, Lee? Okay, so as we uh, dug deep into Hollywood Studios, we realized that uh, we just couldn't squeeze it all into one show. So we're going to have a series of shows on Hollywood Studios. This week, we're going to focus on... Hollywood Boulevard. So we're going to go through all of the little shops and buildings and all that kind of stuff on Hollywood Boulevard. And then we're going to take, you know, some different sections over the next few episodes and break it down, you know, in between the Echo Lake and Animation Courtyard and Sunset Boulevard, all those other things. We're going to do a few different series, a few different shows in this series so we can cover all of Disney's Hollywood Studios. Breaking it down. Break it down. I love it, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. So guys, enough of our jibber jabber. Let's go discuss some Hollywood Boulevard magic. And welcome to The Hub, and this is our main segment portion of the show. And for today, you like that music? I do. You're shaking your head. I I like that. It's it's a sound alike, so we don't get sued. It's great, isn't it? Uh, but anyway, just gives you just a hint of Hollywood, and we are talking about the Hollywood Studios with another series of shows called Did You Notice? And uh, as Lee mentioned at the beginning, we are talking about Hollywood Boulevard. So Lee, I'm going to turn it over to you, sir, to take us on this awesome, epic journey through the studios. Go with it, sir. Let's do it. All right, guys. So uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios opened on May 1st, 1989. It was the third park to open at Walt Disney World. Uh, during opening day, Michael Eisner said... Welcome to the Hollywood that never was and always will be. Uh, the park originally opened as Disney's MGM Studios. This park has changed probably more than any other park in Walt Disney World. I think you guys would agree to that. Are you just reading? <laughs> just, uh, I think you guys would agree to that. <laughs> like, are you asking us? <laughs> and that was actually written in his notes. Oh, no, okay. it's not. <laughs> wow. I need to put his notes back on. Hold up. No, that's not what I wrote in there. Uh, in fact, uh, none of the opening day headliner attractions are still in place. Uh, that includes the Great Movie Ride, Monster Sound Show, Superstar Television, the Magic of Disney Animation, and the Backstage Tour. So if you guys are ready, let's take a tour and find out all about the things you might not have noticed in Disney's Hollywood Studios. Uh, real quick, I want to give a shout out to Mr. Uh, Officer Moeken, Kirk Landry. Thank you for helping with the research on this show. A lot of what we're going to cover today, especially uh, Kirk is part of, and I appreciate the help. On that area. I like how robotic your appreciation sounds. Yeah, when he was slamming him, he was like really organic. That's also in his notes. Yeah. <laughs> it says note. <laughs> robotic voice. Thank <laughs> Officer Moeken. Kirk's like, thank me a lot. <laughs> Did you ever know that you're uh, my, my hero? hero. Ah. Uh, you're everything that I would like to be. Well, Lee, I would just like to tell you that you are welcome. It was my great pleasure to research, <laughs> help, and with this with you on this show 
Did you really have to write out your appreciation to Kirk verbatim? <laughs> I just want to make sure I didn't miss it. Not to derail it, but yeah, welcome, welcome to the super awkward part of the show. Yeah. <laughs> Can you just do like shout out to Kirk and yeah. then just actually do it? Yeah, you know, you know, it should be natural. But it, but it was fun, Lee. I appreciate you, you inviting me along to, along this ride because I had a good time. Still having a good time researching this stuff. Well, there's a reason for that, right, Kirk? I mean, this this is your favorite park, oh, in fact. Yes, even more so now. Oh, look at that. So if any of this wrong we blame you right yep that's right go ahead cool that's that's the best way to do it <laughs> i've done i've done triple checked and quadruple checked and everything and when i go when i get to an answer i don't have i can say what would danny do and this how i get that oh, so you're the brains and he's the looks right yeah you're in you trouble you got the brains <laughs> i got the looks let's make lots of money but uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> what an appreciation speech that sounds wow. like a pimp prostitute kind of situation yeah <laughs> i don't quite understand that Kirk knows all about it. He's a once again we're at the awkward part of the show. Here we are at the awkward part. Don't worry, we have a very well worded shout out to Stephen Downs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here comes the second awkward part in the show. Lee, take it away. This show is brought to you by Speak and Spell. <laughs> Lee Lasavica, sponsored by Boston Dynamics. <laughs> Shall we play a game? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> Roger Latriple all down. All right, go, go on with your next bit of gratitude, sir. Right. Yes, sir. Um, we're not going to get to too much of it today, but throughout the rest of the shows, uh, Stephen Downs also did a lot of uh, help here. Just double checking things that may be there still, may not be there. Is this you know still functioning? That kind of stuff. So yeah. it's good. To, uh, thank you, sir. Thank you, Mister Downs on the ground. That's invaluable, especially in these days. I'm not even sure what's still there anymore. Yeah, I mean, and there can be things that are there that maybe you can't get access to, but they will be open later. That kind of stuff. So when we go through this these series, we're going to be talking about things that, as far as best of our knowledge, they yes. this is the last we heard. This is what's going on as of twenty twenty one January into yeah, beginning February. The best of our knowledge. Yes, so. and then just to give a little plug to uh, Stephen on the uh, downs on the grounds. Make sure you follow us on Facebook. He goes to the parks uh, as often as he can, and then he'll go live. And so if you want to relive yeah. when, uh, when the live park week, visits, yeah, he did go live this past weekend. So if you want to live uh, vicariously through Downs on the grounds, go for it, man. And, and he always goes live. So have a lot of fun. Have a conversation with Steve while he's waiting in line. All right, Lee, take it over, sir. All right. So when we get into the park, there are nine different streets in the Hollywood section of Disney's Hollywood Studios. Uh, we'll go through all of them eventually through the different series. But there's two that are right here at the beginning. There's Prospect Avenue and Hollywood Boulevard. These are tied back. All of these streets are tied back to the original uh, California areas that they are, are from and they've been repeated and put into the Hollywood studios. The first one is Prospect Avenue. This is the first street you're going to come upon while entering the park. Now, it's located just past Crossroads of the World at the beginning of Hollywood Boulevard. The The basic primary function of this roadway was, you know, access backstage areas of the park. It's also used as an entrance exit for parades, things like that. Uh, what's interesting about this street is Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood was originally named Prospect Avenue. So Prospect Avenue became Hollywood Boulevard in California. Now, in the parks, we have separate roads or separate streets, but originally, Hollywood Boulevard that you're used to seeing in California, it was Prospect Avenue. That was a good call on the name change there. Yeah, it's got a little more pizzazz. Yeah. Prospect. 
Sounds like a Prospect. Sons of Anarchy uh, yeah. episode or something. Sounds like know. a gold rush to me. That's <laughs> what I was thinking. Hey, Prospector. <laughs> well, <laughs> doggone it there. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and make us a Hollywood land. Ooh, we got to be gold on this road. got prospected to name. And you girls are completely identical? <laughs> 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 and uh, Hollywood Boulevard is the main thoroughfare of Disney's Hollywood Studios. It's basically kind of like the main street of uh, Hollywood Studios. And uh, just like the uh, road in Hollywood, that's the main thoroughfare for that city. So at the end of uh, Hollywood Boulevard uh, is the Chinese Theater. That is the park icon for Disney's Hollywood Studios. Currently. currently. Yes, currently. There yes. used to be a hat. and uh, Yes, that has changed over the years. Yeah, should be something else next month. Who knows? But uh, the Chinese Theater uh, in Hollywood is actually on Hollywood Boulevard as well. So those are the two streets that exist in real life and now are in uh, Hollywood Studios. Uh, just a quick note before we begin. This is probably one of those shows where you want to kind of maybe take some notes. There's gonna be, we're going to be talking about a lot of addresses like, oh, this is the building on so-and-so street in Hollywood and so on and so forth. And you could go online after the show, do some Googling, check out the buildings, and then you can really appreciate the architecture and where the look of that building came from when you see the original uh, out in California. Yeah, it's a bit of a mind trip because uh, I appreciate y'all putting these uh, pictures in the, in the, uh, in in the, the show, show doc itself. <laughs> By y'all, I mean Kirk. But <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Yes, uh, and make sure there'll be a quiz next show. So uh, mm-hmm. after yeah. you did all that studying, Multiple uh, you'll choice. be ready. Yes. Yes. Multiple choice. Uh, the Raz will be putting that... Uh, that question. Yes, she'll be in there. Yes, it'll be oh, great. Man. Essay for bonus points. Is it Scantron? <laughs> Scantron. <laughs> number two lead pencil. Yeah, all I got is number four. <laughs> man. <laughs> all right, so as you approach the entrance to Hollywood Studios, the first piece of architectural influence you'll see is uh, the park entrance. The hell you say? Yeah. Hey. It's amazing that they put it there. Wow. Right at the beginning. Right at the entrance <laughs> of the park. Well, I like right. to enter through the exit. I don't understand. I know, right? Be I different. Re- I cannot relate. This is really awkward. <laughs> I am so sorry. But the uh, the park entrance is designed after the Pan Pacific Auditorium. This is in what's called a streamlined modern design. The, uh, the original building is located in the Fairfax District of L.A. and built in 1936. One of the most notable elements of the design of the towers, so uh, especially you'll see those on the ticket booth area. Uh, these towers are made to look like airplane fins, and that's like the most iconic thing you'll notice, that everyone notices about or remembers about the park entrance of those little towers. Yeah, I remember standing in front of it for two hours waiting to get on Rise of the Resistance, <laughs> the freaking park to open. Man, I, I got a good gander at it, a lot of pictures of it, too. It's a, it's a beautiful sight, it really is. Did you say gander? Gander, gander. I did. Not goose, gander. No. Just making sure. Do I, do I need to define it? <laughs> you, you got gander? I thought gander was a male goose. No, you 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 did not. You you thought it was a character in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> gander off. <laughs> gander, informal definition. A look or a glance. As in, take a gander at that luggage. <laughs> We're informative and we got good vocabulary. Right, so the Pan Pacific Theater closed in 1972. Eventually it was placed in the National Register of Historic Places, but it actually burned down in 1989, just three weeks after the opening of MGN's Hollywood Studios. They say what happened? Burned down. Fire. That's what happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, did, I know what Lee said. <laughs> <laughs> the verbiage of burned down. I just I didn't know if they'd say what the circumstance, no circumstance, just mysterious fire? Burning down the house. Yeah, bam, I don't bam. know. That usually happens with big structures made of wood. <laughs> ah. 
And then, like, he, you know, when they don't pay the insurance, but you know what you do? You bust the joint out. That's what happened. Someone busted a joint. <laughs> <laughs> bust the joint. Bust the joint. <laughs> There's a callback. I like that. You know, interestingly enough, this uh, the Pan Pacific uh, Auditorium was designed by Walter Werdeman and Welton Beckett. Now, the interesting thing about Welton Beckett, and I'm sure Lee's got this in his notes, uh, was that he was a neighbor and a friend of Walt Disney. And so, as such, he has kind of an interesting place in Disney history, because right around the 1950s, Beckett and Walt were neighbors. They both lived in the Holmby Hills section of Los Angeles, is it, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yes, Let's yes. Say, yeah. They live in the uh, Holmby Hills uh, section of Los Angeles. And despite Beckett having his own architectural firm, Walt had gone with another firm called Piera and Luckman to help him design his ideas for Disneyland. And things weren't going well, and they were having trouble. Walt was having trouble communicating his ideas. They were having trouble translating them. And so Walt went to Beckett for advice. And what Beckett told him was, and I quote, Walt, no one can design Disneyland for you. You'll have to do it yourself. And so Walt, taking Beckett's advice, hired a new team of people consisting of Hollywood art directors, people from his studio who also happen to be trained architects and whatnot. So really, it's a kind of an interesting choice that they used a building that was designed by this guy to be the park entrance of their third theme park. And also, I mean, Beckett also had ties to Disney World in that he was contracted to help, well, his firm was, at, at the very least, were contracted to help design the Contemporary and the Polynesian Resort. They were also contracted to design the Thai Resort that they were going to do, the Asian one, the Venetian, none of the ones that ever actually got built. But what he did help Walt design was the GM and Ford Pavilions over at the World's Fair. So Beckett was actually really involved in Disney history. And then they had a falling out and Walt burned his uh, building down. Yes. <laughs> and that's what happened. Well, he outlived to Walt back <laughs> But, you know, interestingly enough, the Pierre Luckman company that they fired, that Walt fired and said, you know, I'm going to do it on my own. They're the ones who went on to build the Disneyland Hotel, uh, which call it with uh, the, the guy who owned it. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but, uh, you know, Walt didn't own the Disneyland Hotel for the longest time. So they built the Disneyland Hotel in their own space, and now it's all been remade. But, I mean. Yeah, Walt still got his revenge. Like, you ain't keeping that building up here. <laughs> I wonder if that's an homage to his little buddy or neighbor. I got to think so. I mean, the guy was just too steeped in Disney lore not to be to have his inclusion be an accident i don't think so uh, one last little cool fact about the pan pacific auditorium it can be seen in uh, the movie xanadu and in several music videos including fish heads by barnes and barnes <laughs> beautiful world by devo and dancing in the sheets by shalimar, shalimar. wow we're not dating ourselves at all <laughs> whoa shalimar that was my jam though back in the day <laughs> <laughs> i don't i can't tell you how many times i tried i just researching this watch the stupid fish head video. <laughs> <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it awesome? Fish hops, fish hops. <laughs> the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I'm happy life. to say that was before my time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but Xanadu had a really good soundtrack. Xanadu. Anyway. You have to believe we're magic. I do. Well, <laughs> magical and whatnot. Yeah. All right, so let's move into the park. And uh, just as you enter the park, if you look to the right, you'll see Oscar's Super Service Station. Uh, Oscar Super Service, and that's an ode to old-time service gas stations of the past. Now, it doesn't technically design that for one in particular, but there is a gas station located at 6800 Willoughby Avenue. Uh, that was declared an L.A. Historic Cultural Monument on March 23rd, 1992. So if you 
If you Google that address and you look at the building there, I think you'll be able to see a pretty strong resemblance to Oscars. It was an old mobile service station, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, full service stuff. Yeah. Right, exactly. At Oscars, if you look at the numbers on the gas pump to the right, you'll see the park opening date, May 1st, 1989. That's the one thing you Disney's always doing, putting dates. If you ever see a date on something, I just would say ask a cast member because there's some backstory to that date somewhere. You know you know what I always loved about this Oscars thing is that I don't know if they still have it there, but the I always like looking for the little Mojave Oil Company stuff that used to be there. Do you all remember that, seeing this? I don't. No, actually, it doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, actually, when the studios first opened, all the products that they sold, I mean, products at this gas station were from the Mojave Oil Company. And if you took the backstage studio tour and you went into the Catastrophe Canyon, that tanker truck that usually would fall with a thing and blow up was the Mojave Oil Company truck, (laughs) you know, and stuff. So there's a a gas station. So that theme of Mojave Oil permeates throughout the entire park back in one time. I don't, I should have had Stephen check and see if they still have those references. Wait, what was uh, it? Wait, but what were the souvenirs they were selling in Oscars for Mojave Oil? No, it was, it was, they had, you know how they themed it, so they had like oil yeah. cans and stuff. They, I mean, Oh, the oil cans. Yeah, the oil cans they had okay. and the gas tanks, ga- the gas pump, pumping tanks, gas pumps, 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 mm-hmm. pump, um, pump, had pump, like Mojave oil insignia or logos on them. Yeah, didn't they have like a, they had a tow truck out there at one point in time as well, as well as the Cadillac. I think both of them are gone by now. I don't know if the tow, I know the Cadillac is gone. Or maybe it wasn't a Cadillac. I can't remember the name of the car. But, I mean, they, they had a car and they had a tow truck. And I remember the tow truck specifically. Yeah, I definitely remember the remember tow the truck, car, but I, I don't both. remember it being there the last couple times I've been there. They roll it out and roll it back depending on it's busy, I think. Hmm. Because they do a lot of strollers and stuff for that. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So if they get too busy, then it's like that. But, yeah, in Mojave, I don't know if it's still there. Maybe somebody that's there visits could tell me if they still have those markings on there. But that, if they do, that'd be a pretty cool throwback. You know, the funny thing about that is, you know, I, and I hear this, and I'm not sure that's true in every uh, case, but they say that the stroller rentals uh, are always to the right when you walk in because most people are right-handed. Mm-hmm. And so the instinct is to start to look towards the right. Now, I know it's like that at Hollywood Studios. I believe it's on the left at Epcot. Lee, what, what, I mean, what, what you... Well, I know for sure the ones at Magic Kingdom are off to the right because my niece's husband was a cast member and he worked in that area and you're positive about that pretty sure 99.9 percent sure also too if you remember uh the lost and found is on the left because they'll sing a little song to the left to the left (laughs) (laughs) all the you left in the park to the left (laughs) so i think that for sure it's on the right hand side Uh, okay so i don't know about epcot or or animal kingdom i think epcot is on the left that that's the one that i can remember but anyway Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just throwing that That's in cool there. That's cool information, though, because, I mean, it makes sense because, like, the first thing you want to do is run a stroller. You're already there. It's right here. It's right here on your right-hand side. Just grab your stroller. And you're a parent. Go. you got a kid. The first thing you're doing is looking for that stroller. Yeah, stroller. All right. So the center of this area is what's called Crossroads of the World, and it's just a Meet little- Meet you at the crossroads. We'll be lonely. We're going to take all your money. What? Because uh, it's a little gift shop. They're going <laughs> to- <laughs> really, truly, they're going to take all your money. Run away from the crossroads. Not at the crossroads. So you don't get broken. No, 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 no. That's where I used to pick up my single-use camera. Disposable oh, ah, cameras. Disposable cameras. Yeah. Yes. But the original Crossroads of the World was an outdoor shopping center. One of the first, if not the first, outdoor shopping centers in existence. It was built in 1936 in Los Angeles, designed by Robert V. Dara. It's still in existence, but it's actually now office building space. But it's still got the same architecture and all that stuff, so you can actually go and see it in Los Angeles. It's the crossroads of the world. This is a wild one, because researching that, I found a whole backstory to like the, the, the original owner, the one who designed it. He was actually shot there. 
and died at the hospital. They shot the him hospital. at the crossroads. <laughs> oh, he will be lonely. You don't know what you're going to do when they come for you. Can they come for you? Hey, no, you found some news about it. I thought you were going to say something. Did you know you won a lottery? You just straight came up with he was shot. Things get burned. Things get shot. Too much going on here in Hollywood. I was doing some research and I found out the, the dark, seedy side of Hollywood. Was I there a reason? I mean, they yeah, would, did it say? Why'd he get shot? I see. Now you made me go back in my notes. It was all gangster related, related stuff. Oh, oh he's wow. a gangster? Yeah. It was all seedy uh, Los Angeles underworld type. What up, gangster? Oh, my God. We <laughs> 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 like yeah, smashed yeah. a grapefruit in the wrong dude's chick's face. Now, where, did, like where does this? that come from? James Cagney. Oh, what movie? Oh, that's a, I mean, I know it's it's a great movie, right? But Public Enemy. Public oh. Enemy number shut one. Shut them down. Shut them down. Shut, shut them down. Oh, wrong in Public Enemy. <laughs> now, um, at the crossroads of the world in Disney's Hollywood studio, there's a Mickey Mouse statue on top. But uh, this is something, again, you may not notice, but Mickey on top of that tower is actually a lightning rod. His right ear is made of copper to deflect lightning. Oh, that's nice. how builders get caught on fire? That's how this one didn't catch on fire because... Thank but, God and now Mickey. you know what happened to the Pan American. There it is. Mm-hmm. No Mickey. Fire. One more thing about Crossroads of the World. The original Muppet movie featured a shout out to the original Crossroads of the World in the opening scene. The very opening scene. The first thing you see is that globe spinning. And as they pan back, you kind of see it's being balanced on, uh, looks like Hermes or something, like, almost like a Greek god kind of thing, being balanced on his finger. And, and as you pull out, the name of the studio is down before below is worldwide studios and it's a very very familiar font and so if you look it up and you compare that to crossroads of the world it looks eerily similar so i think that was a call out to it and it's kind of appropriate because that's kind of where the muppets got their start but then fast forward to the reboot where they did the muppets with uh, jason siegel and there's a whole scene where walter goes on a tour over at muppet studios some of that was shot at crossroads of the world uh, so it came full circle full circle but at the crossroads they worked his way around it got right back to the crossroads like it as the globe spins so are the days of our lives days of our lives <laughs> <laughs> like the say or as the world turns <laughs> <laughs> the bow the general hospital yeah <laughs> so uh just to the left of uh crossroads of the world is Sid Coenga's one-of-a-kind antiques and curios. Hey! Oh! This is pretty cool. Like, this, to me, was one of the more interesting stories of everything that I researched this week because, and I'll get into it, but there's just so much kind of, I guess, folklore and, uh, you know, stories around Sid Coenga's and how it's got there and, and all this other stuff. And it just, I was intrigued once I read the whole story. It's, it's really cool. And the thing that you'll notice right away is that this building doesn't look like any other buildings on Hollywood Boulevard. You know, you've got all these kind of like Art Deco and, you know, all these businesses and, and office building looking stuff like this. And here's just a just a basic home. A little bungalow. Yeah, I got a little bungalow, front bungalow, porch bungalow. and, you know, that kind of stuff. But that will, you know, make you want to ask, why is there this home in the middle of this business? So, why is there a home in the middle of this business? Well, I'm glad you asked. You could tell it's a home because they even have like a little white picket fence around it with a garden. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Ray Leona comes out, pick up his dude. <laughs> 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 why he smiles at you he's like that's what I am a schmuck yeah. <laughs> ketchup and marinara Sid Coenga yeah. Karen Sid Coenga former gangster hi from Jimmy <laughs> oh god Sid Coenga he's not a gangster but he's definitely an informant 
Oh yeah, that's an informant <laughs> name if I've ever heard one. There's some dark stuff going around this Hollywood series. If you didn't notice that, well, maybe, Hollywood uh, is there's a lot of crazy. Yeah. Stuff. Like, so what does Koanga mean? Yeah, Topanga's sister. Yeah, Koanga. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. So the story goes like this: uh, ah. Sid Koanga, he was a, an avid movie fan. Uh, he'd moved with his wife Rosie from Chicago to L.A. to be near the you know newly blossoming. LA film scene, things like that. Uh, they purchased a small home on the outskirts of town, but you know, as would happen, Hollywood starts to boom and builds up around the around his home. Now there's all kinds of movie studios, restaurants, offices, etc. And uh, even though you know Sid has been presented with many offers from various real estate developers, he doesn't want to sell his home. He doesn't want to move. You know, he, he loves being in the middle of all this. He's a big, big movie fan. But he starts to look at all this foot traffic and tourists and all this stuff. And he, he goes, man, you know, I've got all these collectibles. And he's, he's, he wants to say, he's going to try to make money off it. You know, he wants to sell some posters and movie props and artifacts and all this stuff. So he, he puts so them on the So while those movie porch. theaters have been blossoming around him, he's been collecting. Right. Yes, yes, yes. So he's, he already has a collection anyway because he's a, you know, he's a big movie, a big fan. movie fan. Right. Okay. And so, you know, he puts some, some pieces out on the front porch, put some sale tags on them, this kind of stuff. And man, business goes through the roof. You know, he's got a huge success on his hands. So he has to start gathering more items to sell. And as he gets more items and he moves those into the house, he's got, you know, he's got stuff set up on the couch. He's got stuff set up on the fireplace. All throughout his house, he's got all this Hollywood memorabilia for sale. And so to keep up with the man, you know, Sid will drive around town in his truck, which you'll see on the outside of the house, gathering up props, Hollywood paraphernalia from all different places. Some things were donated by the studios when they didn't need them any longer. Other times, Sid might get a quote-unquote friend of his to uh, quote-unquote donate stuff, you know, maybe out the back door, stuff like that. Fell off a truck. Yeah, fell off a truck. Might even do a little dumpster diving, you know, go through the trash cans of various Hollywood movie. Well, this is the uh, early days of Hollywood. They didn't know how valuable some of this memori- mm-hmm. movie memorabilia, memorabilia was going to be. Yeah. yeah, that's true. And he's a fan. He's a true fan. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Even uh, sometimes he would have famous Hollywood celebrities come into his shop and they'd want to purchase things. But That's my raincoat from <laughs> Singing in the Rain. <laughs> I sell it back to you. you. You're back. <laughs> sell Damn it you back said. to you for twice the price. <laughs> you a crook, Sid. I ain't no crook. <laughs> Find this in your garbage can. <laughs> but what Sid would do um, is he would allow these celebrities to pay with autographs. Oh. Well, no wonder no one ever complained. Like, wait, I just signed this and you give yes, it? Yes, okay. absolutely. So the you value want- depended upon who the star was that was going to that right. signed the autograph. So he's speculating pretty yeah, much. Yeah, so he was like taking the, the, you know, the knowledge that this guy was real famous and he would get his autograph and he, then he could sell his autograph. Talk about I, Prospect yeah. Road. So like if the dude tanked, I mean, did, you know, that raincoat wasn't worth nothing that yeah. he got the autograph for. Got the autograph. Risky. Now, depending on who you ask, uh, that particular house could either be a replication of the original house in L.A. or the rumor is that Disney actually carefully moved the house from L.A., packed it up, put it on a big flatbed and set it up in Hollywood Studios. Moved it on up to Beverly. Yeah. So you're, you're telling us that Sid Koanga was a real person? Well, that's where the story gets interesting. Right? Ah, oh, okay. no. So that is part of the story is that Sid himself, because of his personality and every, you know everyone loved him, that Sid, the Disney brought not only the house, but brought Sid himself to Hollywood Studios to run the gift shop. Now, of course, that is a great backstory created by Disney Imagineers, but... Is there actually a real Sid Coenga? After all, there is a Coenga Street. And um, also, if you look inside the gift shop, there's a framed picture of Sid. 
the same Sid that you will see in Hollywood Studios at the gift shop, running the gift shop. So is he real? So he is a real person in that he is an actual human being, living, living, breathing person, but he is a character, a, a streetmosphere character. Man, it did it to me again, that yeah. dang Disney magic. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> that is crazy. All right, so who is the real Sid Coenga? So the photo that you see uh, next to all these other celebrity photos is actually a picture of cast member Danny Dillon who played the role of Sid for 16 years from the day the park opened until his death in 1989. Danny was one of the original Streetmosphere characters, but while, you know, most Streetmosphere characters would be part of little skits and around Hollywood Boulevard, he was by himself. He was the sole uh, proprietor of uh, Sid Coenga's gift shop. He's the only one to ever play Sid. Yes, exactly. Uh, He worked solo, playing the part of Sid, and actually his wife, his real-life wife, was also a cast member who sang at the Rosen Crown Pub in Epcot's World Showcase. But because the part of Sid was played so well by Danny, many people believe that he was actually Sid Coenga. He was even featured on the front page of USA Today when the park opened. So again, just adds to the folklore, adds to the backstory. People see his face on the cover of USA Today, then they see him in the park, so they naturally assume that he is actually Sid Coenga. Talk about a stressful job. Like, you don't even have a choice to call in sick that day. That's true. Like, can you take a day off? No, I mean, how does that work? A Sid, you know, maybe maybe he was out collecting uh, treasures on that day, sure, yeah. or whatever. You better come back with a hell of a lot of autographs if people are looking for you because it's your place. Maybe Sid kept regular hours. He was only there from like nine to five, mm. and then he retired home. Yeah, that's I, possible. Yeah, okay, makes sense. But as you said, Danny, like to this day, there no one has replaced that character. You know, they haven't put in a new Sid or anything like that. So it's actually, he's the only one that ever played uh, Sid Coenga. Props to him. That says a lot. Absolutely, man. I remember meeting him one time. It was the first trip I went to with my wife. That was the very first place. Honest John was right in front of it. I was, you get to chat with him and stuff? I, you Talk know, stories, nothing or? that memorable other than, hey, where are you guys from? Blah, blah, blah. Welcome to Sid's. And, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, just nothing beyond, like, Nothing I can remember. I never really resonated that to me that I was talking to the one and only. I didn't even know who Sid Coenga was at that point in time. At that point in time, that was like between the... We're, we're talking about 2000-ish? I mean, so you're talking about like for 10 years or so, there was like a decade where I couldn't go to Disney. It, re- it really was kind of a, hey, like I'm just back here. I'm just enjoying being here. I'm not looking for the little Disney details that Disney nerds would look for. You know, that, that, that people like me now would fan out about. I'm not looking for that. I'm just taking it all in. You weren't as deep as you were in a, are now. Exactly. Yeah, you were just enjoying yeah. it. I wasn't a May guy yet. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so next we have uh, Mickey's of Hollywood, which, as you guessed it, it's a wordplay on the original Fredericks of Hollywood. Uh-huh. Oh, unmentionable. Uh-huh. As you guessed it, there's a lot of people out here that would not know Fredericks of Hollywood. My ears really? are perking up. It's pretty com- I mean, maybe because I, re- I work in retail. And when's the last time Fredericks of Hollywood? Oh, I haven't seen there? one in a long time, but I, I but I do remember the stores in the mall. I can't imagine anyone over under thirty knowing Fredericks of Hollywood. Yeah, I remember mail or order catalog. Yeah. You ordered mail or what? what mail the mail, order, mail order catalog. Oh, oh, okay. you ordered mail. What did you order from it? Was it I How do you spell okay. mail? I think you spelled M A L E. I thought yeah. so too. Yeah. You can't order Sid Kawaga. He work in the store right now. <laughs> can't just come up there and show up at your house. Are you shopping for Captain Stan? <laughs> <laughs> Dear Captain Stan, come back soon. These guys are mean to me. I love you. <laughs> All right. So needless to say, the merchandise at Mickey's of Hollywood is a little bit different than the uh, the merchandise at Fred Lux of Hollywood. Which sucks, because I would love to see some Disney-created lingerie. Yeah, who would? Oh, my God. I bet you have some Imagineers that would really have some fun with that. Can we do a show on that? 
at some point. It would get creepy. <laughs> Bunch of, this is true. 50-year-old, 40-year-old, 50-year-old white yes. men sitting around. Yes, we'd be canceled. <laughs> All right. So Not worth it. A B-side show. Okay. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. Yeah, go ahead, sir. All right. So the entrance to the building is inspired by the Bain Building on Hollywood Boulevard, which was built in 1926 by Colonel Harold Bain. Before he broke Batman's back? <laughs> <laughs> Now you have my permission to die. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Right. Wade. Uh, of uh, uh, Colonel Bain is also known as uh, the person who created the Hollywood Christmas Parade. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. The Bane of Christmas. I didn't know that. Nice. Okay. Now, uh, off on the other side of uh, Mickey's of Hollywood, the black and gold facade that's uh, between Mickey's and, and Pluto's toy palace. Who Saints? Mm-hmm. That is uh, inspired by the famous Security First National Bank of Los Angeles, which was built in 1929 as part of LA's Miracle Mile. It uh, now houses a publishing company, Southland Publishing, which publishes the newspaper Los Angeles City Beat. That building was actually added to the National Register of Historic Places in 2005. They also published Tiger Beat as well. <laughs> ah, Tiger Beat. Oh, and Teen Beat. And, yes, and Dynamite. <laughs> Highlights. <laughs> Highlights. <laughs> was it Tiger Beat, Teen Beat? What was it? <laughs> I team. think it was both. I think oh, it was both. Yeah. Yeah. All that. Dynamite. Kids Incorporated. Kids Incorporated. <laughs> you can't do that on television. Menudo. Electric Company. That's right. Hit him like a cannonball, Lee. Martika. <laughs> <laughs> toy Soldier. Toy Soldier. Go ahead. Next door, we have Pluto's Toy Palace. But before we go there, look up. Yeah, give me a second. I'm looking at Martika on Cameo. All right. Do that. Do that. Do that there. <laughs> Before you head to Pluto's Toy Palace, look up for a billboard and you'll see the Autograph Hound. This is a tribute to a 1939 Donald Duck cartoon that featured Donald Duck as an autograph hunter in Hollywood. And here's a little fun fact. This was the first cartoon where Donald Duck is featured in his blue sailor hat. Yeah, boy. I thought you could say, fun fact, he was wearing pants in this one. Okay. <laughs> mm. No, he never wears pants. Never, yeah, wears, no, never go pants. All right. Pluto's Toy Palace. Now, uh, this building gets its Art Deco design from... The Cat and Dog Hospital, which is located on Highland Avenue. Now, the original building featured a large Dalmatian on top, whereas the Hollywood Studio building has Pluto on top, of course. The original is located at 9490 North Highland Avenue, and it was designed by Ted R. Cooper for Dr. Alexander Moxley. Now, I guess technically it wasn't on the original building. Originally, the building was built without the Dalmatian on top, but it was added later, and so at the time... That's where they got the inspiration and they put Pluto on top. I've said this before, but this is just one of those things where like, of course, that thing's always been there and I've always seen it. But now you're like, oh, I see where it comes from. It makes you really want to go back and find all these little details in the park. If I just passed by Pluto's Toy Palace and I didn't need to buy any toys that day, I just would pass it by. Well, and the fact that it was a former cat and dog hospital makes it even more interesting. Yeah. All right. And then the last building on this block houses Disney and Company. Now, the building used to design this shop is located on the corner of Santa Monica Boulevard and Cole Avenue in a neighborhood of businesses supporting the movie industry, such as post-production houses. There's not really any historic significance to this building as far as what uh, I researched. And even right now, if you were to go by that building, there's no sign on it, anything like that. But I guess, again, Imagineers just like the design. And so they use that uh, to house the uh, Disney and company. So they just liked how the building they just looked pretty. Yeah, I guess they liked the architecture. I mean, I'm assuming because there's, there's information on all these other buildings, but there was no information on this particular building. So Disney and company was like a thing at one point in time. Remember? Yeah, it was there. There was a certain line that they had with. Um, it was like their designer line at some point right, in time. A little bit higher end, kind of nicer stuff. So. Now, across the street, we're going to find a few more shops. Uh, the Dark Room, Cover Story, 
Celebrity Five and Dime, and Adrian and Edith head the toe. Now, the dark room, one guess as to what that is. Eli's bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> All the time. It's like the dark saber, but different. <laughs> yeah. But more Eli. And more sensual. <laughs> sensual? Sensual. Oh, like Szechuan. Yeah, crossroom. Yeah, uh, photography, right? Photography. Because yeah. that's done in my dark room, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure it is. Yeah. 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 50 Shades yeah. of Eli. How you doing? <laughs> All it black and white. It can't be Hollywood Studios just there sometimes. <laughs> I think your room is more like the Five and Dime. <laughs> oh. oh, well, you haven't visited it. You're missing out. You're missing out. <laughs> yeah, but it's junk's like the crossroads. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Does it have an elect, a lightning rod? <laughs> no, but yeah. it's, it's just as electric. <laughs> it's so electric. I tell you what, I'll give you my autograph. You'll find high value in it. How about that? <laughs> Tell you what, you'll find Adrian and Eve there. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he satisfies him from head to toe. Oh, Lord. Uh, oh. 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 All right, so the dark room is a... <laughs> The dark room is a camera shop uh, that gets its design from two different buildings. The large camera that's used on the front of the shop is actually located at 5370 Wilshire Boulevard. This design is called programmatic architecture. It's totally programmatic <laughs> whenever you're around. <laughs> ooh, ooh. Now that's a callback. Shalabar, yeah. <laughs> was it? Yeah. <laughs> now, programmatic architecture, that's where... <laughs> That's where a building physically resembles its purpose. So I guess to some degree, uh, Pluto's toy, that could be the dog and cat hospital could be programmatic architecture. But this is, again, you know, so it's a big camera in the front of it that tells you right away, oh, what do they sell here? They sell cameras. So, um, yeah. Now, of course, you know, photography has changed through the years. So the stuff they have in that shop now is a lot different. Uh, They feature more like picture frames and not actual like cameras and stuff no but like they sell like uh cell phone covers and like pop wallets and pop yeah. sockets stuff on your phone, phone which albums. is basically your camera now right yeah you can so. fit it used to be where you picked up like your like on-ride photos and stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it used to take like three hours and you'd be mm-hmm. done by then now um just like of course the merchandise has changed in hollywood studios the actual building on wilshire has changed as well it is a uh it's a restaurant and, uh, but the camera's still there, and it remains part of the building because it's a protected city landmark. If you remember, I said this building was done, designed after two buildings. The other building is the Beverly Poinsettia building on Beverly Boulevard, which was designed by Robert J. Harris in 1930. And so that is the other facade, kind of like the big tower part. Oh, and Kirk is holding up a picture so we can see what this looks like. What is that, Kirk? Google Earth. That's Google Earth. That's milk. Milk. That's milk. That's milk. Milk. Milk, milk is the name of so it's a restaurant where the... Yeah, the Beverly Point Theater building. The Beverly Point... Okay, nice. It looks good. Yeah, let's go get some milk. Can you imagine going out to a restaurant for milk? I mean, like, you got that in your fridge. You don't even have to cook it. It ain't like you're trying to make Chinese food or something. Like, why would you go to a restaurant to drink milk? Specifically milk. Well, it, I guess it depends on, like, how many different, you know, kinds of milk they have. Flavors, yeah. milkshakes. It's, you a, know. it's an ice cream shop. Is it what it is? Ice cream shop. It, yeah, it, there are some uh, milkshakes that would bring my boys to the yard. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> they have. Can they make something better than yours? Uh, damn right. They're better than yours. But then you'd have to charge. Well, that's how they make their money. That's true. And that's how they stay in business. Mm. You know, you know, interestingly enough, like the the dark room, like the Hollywood Studios dark room that you see being inspired by that building was not the only theme park that saw the dark room was like, you know what? We want one of those. Oh, you know okay. who else did it? What? SeaWorld. No. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Legoland. 
No. Bush Gardens. No. Six Flags, New Orleans. How wrong do y'all need to be at this point? The, the Vampire Room. Knott's Berry Farm. Jeez, this is, this is embarrassing. Holy Land. Nope. Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking about the I, dark room in Holy Land at this point. <laughs> Six Flags, Magic Mountain. <laughs> no, uh, Universal Studios Orlando has a dark room. That's oh, what I was about. about the exact same building. Selling the, like, you know, the, basically they put you in front of a green screen and then you can go ahead and pick a, a couple of different backgrounds and stuff like that. But I mean, if you go look right now, go Universal Studios Orlando, they have the dark room as well. It's one of two buildings in the studios that is inspired by something, that, not inspired, but is a common, kind of a, a doppelganger, if you will, of something that is in Universal. That's what oh. you get, Michael Eisner. Now, the one in Universal, you say they will transpose your face onto like... What pictures or it, it's kind of like cover story. It's like they'll they take a picture of you in front of a green screen and then they put you on something and, ma- and make you look like you're doing something. It's like four or five immersive backgrounds that okay. they let you choose from. But yeah, it's the exact same thing with the Nikon camera out front and everything. So it's kind of a neat little trivia thing, if you uh, if you will, if you have your friends in the park. So they didn't have any kind of copyright on that design or anything like that? No, they both blatantly stole that. (laughs) (laughs) Which came first, the chicken or the egg? There you go. My son of a gun. So that sounds like what we've got here with uh, Cover Story. So it is a shop where you can get your picture taken and they'll put it on a famous magazine. Uh, You know, I think most theme parks have some kind of technology of that kind, you know. Now, the uh, inspiration for this building is actually the only building that is not, the original is not in California, but it's actually on the East Coast. Uh, The McGraw Building, which is located at 330 West 42nd Street in New York City, uh, was designed by Raymond Good and is designated as a National Historic Landmark by the National Park Service in 1989. Now, the cover story gets its inspiration from the ground floor of the McGraw building. Now, the actual McGraw building is a, it's a high rise. It's 33 stories. Mm-hmm. But the design is uh, just based off that front bottom floor of, of that building. You know, and, and why, why not the McGraw Hill building when you think about it? Because, I mean, you know, they publish books, magazines. I mean, textbooks. Your, yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, they're putting your picture in the cup. Why not a publication? Yeah, it makes sense. It ties yeah. together. It's it's themes together. I'm not sure if that's what they thought, but you know, it's kind of my, all my kids' school textbooks are done by McGraw Hill, and uh, you know, the country and western textbooks is done by Tim McGraw Hill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> bazinga! They all come with a hat, right? <laughs> Sick shooter. <laughs> so up next, we have the Celebrity Five and Dime, which brings you back to the time of Five and Dime stores. Like in particular, this is the JJ uh, Newberry Department Store. Uh, this is located at sixty six hundred Hollywood Boulevard, and uh, actually, JJ Newberry is no longer in business, but the uh, building's still there. It has some various retailers. And it's actually across the street from the Bain Building, which we had discussed earlier. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that is the Hollywood Five and Dime. Yeah, we never had a Newberry's. We had a Woolworth. We had that, those kind of variety stores, a TG&Y. And I had a Blackberry. Yeah. but You, know, you had a Blackberry? Yeah, but then I got an iPhone, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought once you went black, you, well, never mind. You never go back. <laughs> yeah. The black and the Blackberry. Yeah. The black and the, the sweet of the, the text. Sweet the sweet of the code. That's right. <laughs> yeah. All right, then the uh, the last building we have in this uh, block is the uh, is Adrian and Edith's Head to Toe. 
Now, this shop, it gets its name from two famous Hollywood costume designers. Adrian Greenberg, who is most famous for designing the ruby slippers from The Wizard of Oz. Oh, okay. oh nice. And um, the other is Edith Head, who was nominated for 35 Academy Awards and won eight Oscars. Now, this building was designed after the Chapman Park Market, which was, um, this was the first West Coast market that was designed to cater towards shoppers that were arriving by car. So, of course, you know, back before the automobile was as popular as it was, people would just walk around and, you know, stuff like that. But this shopping center was, or the, this market was designed to accommodate for people that would arrive, you know, in their cars. Yeah, because they didn't have a whole lot of parking. You had to park on the street, and they featured a kind of a, a courtyard, an interior, open interior car, courtyard with a, a parking lot. So, Styles Clements, who you'd mentioned earlier, right? I did. He actually is the architect that designed this building. And this is uh, what they call a Spanish colonial revival style. You know, uh, it, also interesting to note is that Edith Head was the inspiration for Edna Mode, the uh, fashion designer for The Incredibles. Oh, oh that I didn't nice. know. Yes, go take a look. Uh, Google search her. She looks pretty just much like exactly it. like her. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, Kevin must have just seen her. I did, yeah. Yeah, it cool. looks just like her, doesn't it? It does. Even the hair. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, visually, yeah. And the glasses. You know, interestingly enough, like they used to have like an embroidery machine on site at Edna, uh, Edith and Edna's. And um, is that Edith and Edna? What did I say? Was it uh, Adrian and Edna's? Adrian uh, I'm Adrian, sorry. Adrian, Adrian, Adrian Edith. Edith. Adrian My God, I can't speak. <laughs> they used to have an embroidery machine over there where they would go ahead and personalize all your items. Which would make sense because it's a freaking costume shop. But before it was Adrian and Edith, it used to be the uh, the sweet success. Yeah, like a like a candy shop. Right. And then they moved all this stuff in. We're like, yeah, we're going to make it into a costume shop kind of thing. And so you can embroider stuff. And they had like a whole big area where you could do this in. And what do you know? Like just recently, they got rid of all of it and turned it back into a sweet shop again. And the embroidery stuff is now next door at Celebrity Five and Dime. But it's all done behind the counter. So you don't oh, even have the, okay. the machine anymore that we can really see them do it. Now, is it the same machine? Do you know? or is it? I don't know because it's behind the counter. Yeah. You, don't, you don't see it. It's, it's backstage. Now, was this like some antique type looking machine or was it just? No, I don't okay. remember being an antique looking machine. The, the one that it wasn't like saw. a themed thing. No, it wasn't right. like, yeah, you know, we're going back to 1920s or 1930s Hollywood to do this. No, it, I mean, they just stitched your, your Mickey ears. Yeah. Walt found it in a mine in India <laughs> <laughs> and shipped it back to the United States. <laughs> it came with the slave labor. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, that slave labor was all under some kind of malorum crawlerum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> in, yeah. That was the name yeah. That was the original. Name is Shop Molorom's Colorum. They like cover you hot, cover you hot. They like stitch the clothes together. That's what the kids wore for shoes. Yeah, <laughs> they all had to wear ruby slippers. <laughs> they stitch shirts the wrong. <laughs> it didn't look good, darling. Put more glitter on it. Oh, Sivalinga. Okay, and so the last uh, little shop, quote unquote, on this block is uh, the Trolley Car Cafe. Which is a Starbucks, basically. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's what it is. I love coffee shops. Hey, nothing wrong with coffee, man. You need some coffee to keep you going. So when uh, MGM Studios, Disney MGM Studios first opened up, this this shop was called Pacific Electric Pictures. And this was like a place where you could go get like a video version of yourself starring in a Hollywood movie. Uh, They sold personalized merchandise, star merchandise, things like that. And that was what it originally was meant to be. Ah, the 90s. Yeah, but I mean, this this thing went through so many changes. Like it's been so many different shops. and Like the 90s. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. So a year later, this space became Calling Dick Tracy, which of course was playing off, you know, trying to 
take advantage of the new movie that just came out, Dick Tracy. Synergy. Uh, Synergy. They, you know, they really had a lot of uh, high hopes for this movie, that it was going to be a big hit and things like that. But, uh, Madonna. Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. Yeah. Warren Beatty. But you wouldn't know it from seeing it because it covered in so much makeup. Mm-hmm. And the colors were light too bright. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't do as good as they thought. That shop lasted about a week. Yay. Like the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Calling the Tracer thing was kind of like the same thing as Pacific like Pictures where you could make a video, but this time it wasn't just a random video. It was, it was like Dick a Tracy. Dick Tracy video. Yeah, you put yourself in a little Dick Tracy adventure. I wouldn't mind being in a video with Madonna. You know, that might be cool. Ah. Madonna, 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 Madonna. You got a thing for cone-shaped breasts? <laughs> 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 okay. Never go. For, do not go for second best, baby. Yeah. Madonna, like crazy a, for you, like a virgin. <laughs> yeah, you want a little uh, La Isla Bonita. Yeah, Papa, don't preach. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I guess I'm just like a virgin on this new stuff. <laughs> Wait, I'm on the borderline right here. Come on. Oh, <laughs> all right. There are no points for winning this game. That's right. <laughs> I get it. I'm a gambler. That's it. I'm a steel horse you ride. You're the one to hold him. Oh, wait. Wrong. Yeah, none of this is in vogue. Right. Oh, okay. (laughs) Desperately seeking a topic. I almost got him to stop, Kevin. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Never that. They're just in a league of their own. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone out except me and Lee. We're going to finish it. Whether you like that or not, we're going to finish this all right, so Madonna closed down Dick Tracy. <laughs> yeah, 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 it was her fault. Shut it down. Shut it down. So then it became uh, Legends of Hollywood, and then after that, it became the L.A. Cinema Prop and Storage before finally becoming the uh, Trolley Car Cafe. And this was the first time they had a food and beverage served in that space. Everything before that was retail. So. Can I tell you that freaked me out one day? Yeah. It did, because I didn't realize they switched it over. Because all this time, like all through the years while I was going through those park, it, it was a freaking gift shop kind of stuff. I get plushes. They had comic books at one time. And then, you know, I was going to take, uh, I guess my oldest at the time, she was little. I was going to take her in this. We get her a plushie. I walk in. I'm like, wait, where are all the plushies? Oh. Starbucks. What the f*** is this place? You know? And so that freaked me out. So that's why it stuck in my head. I was like, what the hell's going on? This wasn't a, never an eatery. So your daughter didn't feel like a lucky star that day? No, she did not. Oh. Okay. Did not feel like a lucky star at all. <laughs> Point match, Kirk. <laughs> anyway. Uh, all right. So I concede. Hey, look, give him four minutes and he'll figure it out. Yeah. yeah. So the Trolley Car Cafe, that's an homage to the actual Pacific Electric Railway Company, uh, which is the, uh, you know, out of, run out of L.A. It's the long gone urban rail system. And they had red cars. Their streetcars were red. So that's, you know, they, that's where you get the color, the red color for the Trolley Car Cafe and things like that. They got a red car. <laughs> what? Don't go too fast. Little red trolley car. Little red trolley car. The building for the Trolley Car Cafe was modeled after the real Pacific Electric building that was built in 1907. Mm-hmm. That's the Ivy Substation in Culver City, California, mm-hmm. which was a, uh, you know, that building converted ac power to dc power in culver city california so that's the whole thing with the electric cars and the trolley cars and the pacific electric railway company that's where it all comes from yeah that is not the whole thing because i got <laughs> no i got pacific electric to electric booking <laughs> <laughs> not to be confused with the electric company yes okay just check it i didn't know where ozone oh, was at so it's electric Boogie woogie woogie. <laughs> 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 
Uh, All right, so now we discussed about uh, Judge Doom, right? No, we didn't mention that no. yet. Okay, you're going to do that right now? Tell us a little bit about Judge Doom. So Judge Doom is from Roger Rabbit. His whole plan was to build this uh, major freeway, and that was going to be the Pacific... Uh, I've lost it now. What was it going to be called? Pacific Electric Railway. Railroad is 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 the name of the company that owned the red car trolley that Judge Doom was trying to put out of business. And he bought the trolley. He dismantled the trolley. All right. Because he wanted to build... He wanted to build the freeway. The freeway. Right. right, exactly. And so he wanted to go ahead and put the mass transit out of business in order so that way he could force people to go ahead and buy cars. Yeah, just like Henry Ford. There you go. Let's get to that, too. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know, that's a long. That's a whole other story. But No, man, that's a good story. I don't know the whole story. I just know that he bought out the trolley company so that... He could dismantle it so he could sell more Fords. All right, so what if I told you that the plot of Roger Rabbit was based on real events, that this actually happened? Yeah. I'm looking at them. They, they, they like, I'll, I'm going to, because I got to tell the story unless you want to tell the story. I just thought you were with us for a second. No, no, it's hey, no. really, that's I mean, really. I'm, I'm lacking this now. I'm Drop in dreamland right now. I don't know what's No, what. that's what happened. Henry Ford bought the, the trolley cars so that he could shut them down so that he could sell more cars. It's a real incident called uh, the Great American Streetcar Scandal. And this is where uh, General Motors and there were a couple other uh, oil and rubber companies kind of pulled together and they purchased and dismantled about 100 streetcar systems across the country. And this included, obviously, the Pacific Electric Railway, which we, we've been speaking about, who operated the red car trolley. And so the goal was, obviously, as we stated before, to get Americans to stop using mass transit and start purchasing cars so that way they could get rich it was a hell of a scheme and what ended up happening was is that they were ultimately indicted general motors was and they were found guilty but the court only imposed a sanction of five thousand dollars on general motors and a one dollar fine very trading places <laughs> a one dollar fine wow. uh on the vp of gm motors so let me guess, the judge had a car too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> and basically for decades, the Los Angeles suffered from congested freeways stuck in gridlock. I mean, you know, uh, it's one of the most congested metro areas in the United States. And it wasn't until 1990 that Los Angeles County Metro Rail finally came into be and L.A. finally got a, a mass transit system that the regular people could afford without having to go ahead and rely on their cars. So, Are these on the ground or on top? On top. Okay, because uh, we know from Tommy Lee Jones you cannot make a mass transit system on the ground in Los Angeles. And, and we also know from okay. Tommy Lee Jones there's, there's lava. <laughs> the <thing>. <laughs> <laughs> it just shoots out in the middle of uh, yes. any time, yeah. Them damn tar pits, that, that's yeah, all Yeah, you see the tar pits uh, bumbling, yeah. Hold on, wait, wait, wait. So if that's true, did somebody actually say, Nobody's going to drive this lousy freeway. We're going to take the red car for a nickel. Yeah. I bet you whoever that person was, they were very valiant. But How much I bet Henry Ford went, my God, it'll be beautiful. Could y'all believe that? I mean, seriously, that movie was based on real events. I didn't know that. I can believe that, yeah. But the real event that you just described, I can believe that. That's crazy, man. American greed. All right, let's bring it home. We've got one last building to discuss. This is the Keystone Colliers. This building is a triangle shape, so there's three entrances, uh, and then there's two facades. I prefer a landing strip shape. (laughs) Actually, bet you do. Yeah. (laughs) Love it. Actually, I prefer to to scorch the earth. (laughs) (laughs) 
You you see in the front of my house, right? It's very European. Yeah, you're right. No more bush. All right. The main entrance that looks like a tower was based on a popular restaurant slash nightclub built in 1933 called the Wilshire Bowl, located at 5665 Wilshire Boulevard. And now one of the other entrances takes its design from the Owl Drug Company, which was built in 1933 by the design company Morgan, Wells, and Clements. Owl Drug? Owl. Owl. Owl Owl Drug. Who who wants to make a building? I want to make a building. Uh, this is an example of uh, what they call streamlined modern style. And then the last entrance uses what's called Mesoamerican revival style. And it's actually now where the ATM is located. So you can't actually go through. So that maybe now. that's Mesoamerican style. Mesoamerican. <laughs> you talking about the Mayan theater thing? Mayan, yeah, like the Mayan theater. Mm-hmm. You're talking about the whole Mayan thing, right? Yeah. The Mayan okay. calendar, the end of the world, all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, because like... What threw people off of that is that people were looking at the outside of it, but it wasn't based on the outside. It was actually based upon the interior lobby of the Mayan theater. Okay. And so it it opened in 1927, and this thing has been everything from like a legitimate playhouse to a second-run movie house to a burlesque house to an art film house to a Spanish-language cinema and an adult theater <laughs> and then in 1990 a nightclub finally so i was about to say can you back up to the burlesque part that you said the adult theater part i said you know don't worry about the burlesque backup part but okay well and, it's yeah. a natural progression first you go burlesque and you go full adult exactly and that should be on well the there's a calendar. spanish language in between there but that can go either way it's all about translation and mm. that's a kung fu mm-hmm. uh, kung pao be so American. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, the shop tailors to the stars. The, the facade there uses a classic Art Deco design. It's inspired by the Municipal Light, Water, and Power Building, which is located at 2417 Daly Street. Now, this building was also designed by S. Charles Lee and is still used by the City of Los Angeles today, the City of Los Angeles Department of Water and Power. Again, this is, this is one of those ones like just... Google 2417 Daily Street and look at it and you're like, oh, wow, perfect. It looks exactly like it. It's Such really a cool. weird choice. Like it, so, some of the other buildings kind of have logical translations. Like, okay, this should be, yeah. This, it ain't like this is a place to go get some right. water. This is a publication yeah. house and they're going to do a cover story, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. What, what a powerhouse has to do with Taylor. That's nah, yeah. Again, it, I, I think sometimes it's just, they just like the design of the building and said this will look cool on uh, in our park. So they just basically stole the styles of various artists architecture and then that is that is really the dirty secret of disney is that 99.9 percent of the time everything that they design is mostly based upon things that exist in real life as again we we talked about this with the headhunters yeah inspiration is one thing and and even in the culture we walk away from that but that's one style but i mean they're that's just hacking that's essentially hacking yeah they culturally appropriated the municipal water and power district well no they just don't just through most of your stories right through most of the stories that you you've told the architecture that's there is based upon real architecture, right? Somewhere else. And they've just hacked it up and, and meshed it. So Don't think it, of it as hacking. Think of it as sampling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I forgot. They've, they've, borrowed, My bad. they've changed just enough of it, you know, to where it's something original. They've changed the color scheme. They've changed a little bit here and there to where it's something original. But there's an undercurrent of something familiar. You know, I mean, I get like the basics of a, of a foundation for an architecture. Like, you know, number one, you got to have a foundation. You know, totally get that. But the style, I mean, you're Disney. Like, you know, I, I do feel like that's a uh, oh, sampling's good. I'll take that word. But I did not know until I noticed what you said that uh, they made an amalgam 
of various styles of architecture. Well, but I think that's really an an important part of it because I mean. Michael Eisner said it. It's a, it's a Hollywood that never was, but always will be. In, in other words, it's meant, I mean, without nostalgia, Disney parks would not be what they are. It's the idea of something familiar, but it, it never quite was. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, you may not have seen that exact building, but right. it's like you look at it and go, man, that looks like something I've seen before. Right. And you might have seen it in a movie. Or, exactly. You know, it might just be a, a weird, vague memory from when you were a kid and that building was in a movie or something like that. Right. But but it's it seems familiar, even though you've never been there. Go walk through New York and you, you have the exact same. Just go to New York, walk there on any street, and there's going to be something vaguely familiar and you can't place it until you watch Ghostbusters. And you're like, oh, that was a hotel building yeah the firehouse the, exactly well no the firehouse i found that one right away <laughs> uh but there's a bunch of different buildings a bunch of different things like i've seen it before but i don't know where it's vaguely familiar but i don't know how the only difference is, is that when you see in the movie it's what it looked like when it was filmed whereas with disney yeah they might change the colors they, or clean it up exactly or, you know do this, do this that, and the other they so. sampled it it's the same yeah. thing they do in new orleans square with us that's what i was kind of thinking oh they right. change a proportion yeah size. they got yeah. it over in the west coast and they gave us la over here but they like took like a couple of icons and things from us. I mean, this sounds like they. I just mean, it like, took a lot of architect. I mean, we did a whole show on it. They did like yes, the wrought absolutely. iron. They did mm-hmm. the building shapes. They did the stairways. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Even the light posts and all kinds. Of stuff. I mean, they took like a neighborhood. The, this place went for like a whole the dirty like, smell city. Different no. parts. Of, no, there's no dirty. <laughs> the smell hanging now. bees all over. If they would have piped in the smells, man, I don't know if it'd been as popular. No, you gotta have bums pissing if you're gonna use those. <laughs> That's just That's not authentic bum piss. <laughs> <laughs> I've tasted it. <laughs> no, look. Next time we go out. Out there, we're going to grease the poles. Oh, there you go. Yes, but you know what? Something else I noticed. You going back to you talking about how this, um, all the architecture is made to put together old Hollywood. From what researching it, all these buildings are from the twenties and the thirties. That's that's Walt's era when he first came to Hollywood. So is that like all they had, pretty much? Like if he's pulling from that? Well, but a Walt wasn't around when the Hollywood cities were built, so right. they're just they're taking it back to Walt's. Time in Hollywood, but it's not like Walt said, "I want this building in this park." You know, I think think they're trying to evoke it, it like kind of like California Adventure. It's kind of like what it would have looked like when Walt got there. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, okay, I I can see that. But obviously, they're going for a time frame here, and I think it's circa nineteen forties, nineteen thirties, nineteen forties through the fifties. You know, as you progress. So it's it's kind of a progression of those those years. You know, uh, yeah, okay, so we haven't gotten into this yet, but I guess we'll get into it when we get to the animation courtyard, which is the cameraman statue, and that kind of gives you a good idea as to about what they're aiming for. It's right at that, that point where silent film switched over to talkies. That's the era that Disney's Hollywood Studios was aiming for. Tease, tease, tease. We'll get into that in the next episode, I'm sure. Um, the next episode, but one of the, one one of the, of the episodes. Okay. Yeah, one of the future episodes in the series. The, the, the next episode, yeah. Stallion. So the last building, you're just going to see on the facade the words apparel, accessories, jewelry. It's a pink building. The original building was, again, S. Charles Lee designed. Uh, he designed this building for the movie makeup pioneer Max Factor. Well, it was like a regular building, but then he redesigned it, right? right yeah, with the, the pink and all this stuff. It's very pink. Very you pink. can't miss <laughs> yeah. this thing. It's very distinctive. It's always my favorite of the exteriors. And if you want to look it up, it's at uh, 1660 North Highland Avenue. And it's simply called the Max Factor Building. It's uh, Regency Deco style is what they call it. This is like Pepto-Bismol Yeah, pink. really, yes. truly, yeah. Pepto-Pink, for yeah. sure. Uh, it's actually now... It looks like a Tiffany's or something. Like, but Yeah, 
That's true, yeah. Like the Tiffany pink? Yeah. yeah People say that's supposed to be a common color for interior decorating. I don't know. But, but I'm like, unless your stomach's upset, I don't see the <laughs> point in it. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. I don't feel too calming looking at it. Yeah, what a sick color it is. That's because you're the one that got to go in there and pay the money for whatever's in there <laughs> and bring it home to your lady. Well, you, you mentioned Pepto-Bismol. The actual building now, it's being used as a 50s-era nostalgic uh, restaurant. So... <laughs> You know, it's a restaurant. You can go in there and get some heartburn. Yeah, it was okay. Okay. Uh, Hopefully they cook the burgers or just don't serve it to your peak. It's Mel's Drive-In is the name <laughs> of the Mel's restaurant. what? Drive-In. Wow. Yes. yes. Now, That's I remember crazy. Mel's Diner. Diner, Diner. Yeah. yes, Alice. But this Great is Mel's show. Drive-In. Yes. What's that from? So. American Graffiti? American Graffiti. Wow. Yes. Is that right? With Harrison right. Ford. That is right. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Uh, very nice. I was going to say, Happy Days is Arnold. And Richie Cunningham. Yeah. yeah. Richie Cunningham. Opie Cunning. Hey. Opie Cunning. <laughs> Across the street. This is one of my favorite little hidden gems that a lot of people walk by and don't really notice. And uh, it's right by the, the time board. There's a guest uh, relations kiosk over there. But it's at the corner of Hollywood Boulevard and, and Sunset, right across from Keystone Clothiers. You can't miss it. There's a, a, there's a rather distinctive fountain on the corner there. And it's kind of noticeable. And you're like, well, th- this has got to mean something. There's got to be some reason for this fountain to be here by a time board of all things. Why? Like a, a, a fountain. What? What's the rationale for that? It's just a place to put my pennies. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, now that the uh, the Skyliner is gone, yeah, you don't have many places to put your I pennies. I just dump my stuff in there. <laughs> I just throw it in there. Take a bath. Yeah, You're all. saving people's lives, Kevin. Doing and and like when people are hovered around the, the guest relations, like to hover it over their heads. and <laughs> Kobe. Yeah. <laughs> so now the fountain Kobe. is a sizably uh, shrunken down version of the actual Mulholland fountain in Los Angeles, just about like a mile away from Walt Disney's former Hyperion studio. And it honors William Mulholland. This guy was a self-taught engineer who brought water to Los Angeles in 1913. This guy was an immigrant who came over and taught himself how to be an engineer and some people would take issue with some of the things that he did to in order to go ahead yeah, there's and, a lot and, of movies and, around that yes chinatown and some other right yeah. like well let me let me just tell you we're going to get away from the aqueduct that he used to go ahead and bring water to los angeles there's little stories in between there but the most famous of which is that Mulholland built the saint francis dam in 1926 and two years later right after Mulholland does a safety inspection the dam breaks oh damn and it freaking floods the area killed 500 people for weeks bodies were still being found washed up on the beach i mean at the time it was considered the worst civil engineering disaster ever you know so I guess how he didn't I teach himself too good <laughs> to say well, i mean uh, i mean maybe, maybe not too bad for somebody who was maybe he was good at aqueducts but not dams right you know how sensitive i am to disaster and water <laughs> right so this guy had to quit in disgrace but he was not found guilty of any kind of criminal act he paid but- a dollar too <laughs> To Winthorpe, yes, he did. <laughs> Look, the guy was a class act. He took responsibility for the entire thing. Oh, well, yeah, that's that's all core. Yeah. One time when he was asked about the incident, he stated, the only ones I envy about this whole thing are the ones who are dead. 
Damn. Wow. Damn. Just rather be dead. Yes. And so it's kind of funny in today's day and age. There's a statue, well, not a statue, a fountain meant to honor a man that was recreated in Hollywood studios. And this dude unintentionally killed about 500 people. So then the fountain is made of water. Yes. <laughs> the tears which is of how. The, <laughs> oh, the, the tears, tears of, of all his deceased. Oh, God. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. And then Disney, you know, in a California adventure, we paid tribute to him with a little wild mouth roller coaster. You think they would check in on somebody's <laughs> background, you know? Before they, 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 they call the coaster Mulholland Madness. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a true story. I know. <laughs> That's actually a true coaster. I mean, I get it. Everybody deserves a second chance, but damn. <laughs> I didn't even mean to say damn. That's just terrible. Damn. Damn. That's how that worked out. Damn, Eli. That's harsh. Damn, damn, damn. Damn. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. That's that crazy. That's probably one of the more insane stories heard tonight. I mean, like, did nobody like this is my only question. You don't have to answer, it's just rhetorical, but I'm just like when he was like, Yeah, this is what I'm gonna build, like nobody looked at it and said, Hey, show me your degree. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not an engineer, but I'm not sure if clay is gonna work by itself. He was a, a revered individual. I mean, my God, the dude brought water to the people of I mean th- th- They probably figured this guy knows what he's doing. Yeah, they can't mess it, with Exactly. That. I mean, my God, there's I mean, who's to say it was even his fault? could have been the contractor that you know didn't mix enough water with the cement or whatever you know and look i'm sure he kicks himself for picking the wrong contract i'm sure it was his project and he held himself accountable and you don't see too much of that these days and uh, granted i i don't think that that helps the family of the victims in any way yeah but to bring it back to our last episode it just goes to show when you look into the history of anybody it's it's like they said what was the name of that movie with uh, russell crowe the inside who, whose life doesn't have flaws when put under the microscope you talk about inside man there you go I, i'm saying the insider but maybe it was inside man i don't remember but i mean the point being is that yeah you know look hey how many how many busts did we lose in the studios <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, we have to progress. Mr. Mulholland's boss is back there somewhere with Bill Cosby in the (laughs) storage room somewhere. Hey, hey, hey. It's It's floating in the creek. Yeah, is that where Mulholland Falls comes from? The yeah, movie? all that stuff. Yeah, I'm sure. yeah. all right, okay, all right. That's gangster. That's gangster. <laughs> hey Lee, where do you stand on the Pluto? Entrance? Say it again. The Pluto entrance, did it exist or did it not exist? You know how, like, okay, well, I don't want to spoil the next episode, but the entrance plaza. Oh, the hidden Pluto. The hidden. Pluto. I couldn't find it. Baird's mentioning it, it. Really, when you come across before you get to the ticket booth, there is a hidden Pluto that you would see if you looked at the at the park's maps. And I remember used to seeing it back in the day, being like, "Man, that looks so suspiciously like Pluto." But never could be able to verify whether or not it it was part of the architectural design. Yeah, that's why I didn't include it in the. Okay. In the park. That's why I was asking him where he stood on it because I was curious to see whether or not he ever saw it. But I'll show you all a picture of it. And, and listeners out there, please feel free to Google search it because there might or might not be a hidden Pluto at the entrance of Hollywood Studios. So if you can find it, send us a picture and tell us what you think. I think I found it. but well, I saw it, but I didn't. I was like, nah, that's not nothing. I don't know. That's close. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Hope you all enjoyed that. Remember these little hidden gems and all this little details. And while the next time you're in Hollywood Studios, think about us. Maybe pop this on your iPad or iPhone or whatever it is you're using. Google Stitcher. Yeah. Google Stitcher. Ghana. Ghana. Put Ghana. it on your Ghana. Audible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Put this on your Ghana. Listen to us as you walk around the park. Take us in. Yeah. Yeah. 
Let and us so, fill your yeah, ears. Yeah, check out all these little details that we covered. Hope that gives you a little more enjoyment of the park. Good luck trying to explain one to your family while you're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give them all the Madonna references. They no. Won't, they, won't, they won't appreciate <laughs> them as many. much. They won't appreciate them as much as we do. No, Don't try won't. to justify your love of the Magic Are We Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't nice. shake your love either. That's nice. <laughs> but uh, tune in for the next shows. We're going to do Echo Lake. We're going to do Animation Courtyard. We're going to do... The Muppets, Sunset, but we're gonna do all that stuff. So all it's it. all coming. The rest of the parks, yeah. All the studios. Yeah. So all you studios. Stay tuned for it's the an next epic episode. Ten month spectacular. <laughs> uh-huh. It's about the entire all things Walt, <laughs> Walt Disney, Disney World. World. How but much, mostly the studios. How much you need to notice? <laughs> we only got two minutes. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> all right. So thank you guys for listening. Enjoy the parks. Well, guys, we hope you enjoyed that little bit of did you notice in the Hollywood studios, specifically Hollywood Boulevard. And as least mentioned at the top or at the end of the show, uh, there's a lot more to come for that. So stay tuned and stay subscribed, please. Look, magicarway.com is the way to go to find all the things about Magic Army Podcast. You can also get in touch with us through the following ways to share your opinions. You can shoot us an email at show at magicarway.com. Leave us a voicemail of our speak pipe widget or call us at one eight one five weekend That is 1-815- like a virgin. Six six nine six nine six nine six nine six nine four two two six. And of course, we have a couple of guys that do things outside <laughs> of the podcast. First of all, we got Eli does things with comics. Hey, Rob Liefeld here. Deadpool, Cable, X Force, Domino, Marvel Comics, Image Comics, all of it. You guys, what is up? Eli Ivory. What a great name, Eli Ivory, comic guru. I'm here. To talk about you. I am here to say, check out IvoryComics.com. That's right, you. Check out IvoryComics.com. I-V-O-R-Y-C-O-M-I-C-S.com. If you're not doing that, you're missing out. You're missing out. Uh, The Savages comic cannot be beat, cannot be surpassed. You need to check it out. Experience it for yourself. And you know the story. It's all about the glory. Congrats to you and all the magic that you're making with your Ivory Comics. Eli Ivory, comic book guru. Check out IvoryComics.com, comic book guru. Eli Ivory, the whole package. Deadpool said to. Do it. IvoryComics.com, right now. Lightfield out. Well, Papa don't preach, but Rob sure did. (laughs) You call him Papa? I call him Papa after this. When I tell you, like you, it, you, you call, call him Big, Big Papa. Papa. <laughs> Put your hands in the air if you a comic player. So you Papa. can what? So you can go ahead. You heard what he said, and you know, look, that's more love for comics, more love for Rob. But what he forgets to mention when you go to the Ivory Comics website is you go ahead, you see the blogs, you get interviews, but you also get a link to this episode, so you never miss a beat. So you can totally listen to what Lee just said. For what, do you notice in the park while looking at comic book art? It's a synergic thing. It's a beautiful thing. Did you? Did you notice? Did you? Did you notice how I did that? Did you? Yeah, sir. <laughs> so, uh, of course, please feel free to check out the site and the link to this podcast all the time. Facebook.com. You can find me there. Eli H. Ivory. As long as you're a real person, cool. As long as you're a bot, uh, not. I have no Madonna reference for that. Absolutely not. Project Geisha has own Facebook page on Facebook.com and Instagram. You can find me there. You have a 504 posting up the likes and the hearts and all that good stuff. And, of course, on Twitter, you can find me at Hancock10166. So if you didn't notice, 
If you appreciate the baddest, they just bring me the gladdest. Thank you very much. And uh, if you want to book a vacation uh, to the, the Hollywood studios, to La Isla Bonita. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, if you want to pay me, I'll send you to East Side Bonita. I'm yeah. sure we yeah. could put that. No, absolutely. And that's, uh, that's bling for us. What? Yay. You material girl, you. <laughs> anyway, look, if you want to book a vacation to the Hollywood Studios so that you can check out all the stuff we talked about today on Hollywood Boulevard and many more shows, you could do it through Lee. Lee, tell him how to do this. Express yourself. Uh, give me a call at 832-431-1621. That's 832-LUCKY-STAR. Oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> star. <laughs> Email me at Lee at MagicRWay.com. Facebook, you can find me at Facebook.com slash travel. That's L-A-S-T-O-V-I-C-A travel. Instagram, you can find me at You Got a Friend in Lee Travel. If you do any of that, we'll get you hooked up and booked up with no. Voga Vika. Voga. Voga Vika. Voga. Vogue. Vogue. Anyway, look, Kirk, man, thanks for coming back in the studio, sir. Yes, sir. Always a pleasure. Always a good time. Thank you for being the wind beneath Lee's wings. Just like a prayer, I'm always a Lee. I just hope you brought right guard. Because <laughs> being the wind underneath his wings, if it's anything like his beard. You're right guard. <laughs> <laughs> Call back. I do say right guard. <laughs> well, do you want the listeners to find you anywhere? Or no. Are you on social media? No. 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 You no. good? I'm, you I'm, good where you I'm, at? I'm ghosted. You're ghosted? Who ghosted you? They ghosted you? They went and recorded without you? I ghosted myself. No. Oh, you no. ghosted you yourself? ghosted yourself? What are you talking they, about? Parts of, parts of Magic Kingdom is still in Dry Dock. Oh, oh so you're okay. still a landlubber. Okay. Okay. So you landmaster. Still, still on a show pass. So you can find mm. you here on this show. I yes. am here. I am here. Uh, and in the, the, the Facebook groups and mm-hmm. the social media and stuff. If you're not in the Facebook group, you're missing out. You're missing out. You're missing out. You're missing out. Well, go play with Kirk in the group. There you go. Deadpool mm-hmm. said two. He, he did say that. Yeah, feel free That's to right. tag Kirk. Landry yes, out. Tag Kirk. <laughs> tag Kirk especially especially if you're mad at us at anything, like tag Kirk. That is the public relations department of the Magic Our Way podcast. Yes, he's one of the mods of the group. So, yeah, that works. That's true. Thank you for your service, sir. Absolutely. And Captain Stan's missing out with you. He's, he's totally missing out. out. He's missing out. He's missing mm-hmm. out. Here to tell you. You don't know where his bread's buttered. He chilled We'll up. definitely go check Kirk out there. And look, man, there's uh, so many ways to support the show as a whole, and you can find them all on our website, magicalway.com. Any way that you can support the show is deeply appreciated. We also want to take a second and thank you for being a loyal listener. And we always love hearing from our listeners, especially Kirk. Yes, sir. All opinions are always welcome to Magic Hour Podcast. So make sure you get in touch with us there. Anyway, Mohicans, ladies and gentlemen, we say Quaharini. My name is Kevin. And I'm Breathless Mahoney. Magic out. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I have every intention of eating those bananas for breakfast, but I still somehow end up with True tacos. blue berry muffins. When I'm not stealing people's pillows, <laughs> I'm always listening to Mad Hatter Radio. Sorry about that. When I'm going, when I'm going into Eli's room to sneak a pillow and tell him it's all right, I'm listening to Mad Hatter Radio. Oh, please put on Mad Hatter Radio. I'm scared. I'm scared. Hey, this is me speaking. All right, here we go. Everything's working fine. Mohicans, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to this episode and congrats to you for making it through the outro. Well, you know, we always wonder how many people actually make it through that thing. Anyway, guess what? It's time for a little lanyap. And for those that have no idea what that word means, which probably means most of our listeners outside of South Louisiana, the word lanyap means a little something extra. That is what we're going to give you on this episode right here. 
your lanyette for today is the full performance of Programmatic. Around the 40-minute mark, Danny busts out into a song based on Lee's mention of programmatic architecture. And this song, which we will call Programmatic, is a parody of the song Automatic by the Pointer Sisters. As you can see, our references are always timely, right? Anyway, look. The version you heard in the show is not the full extent of what took place. We edit these shows to maintain good continuity because we know your time is precious and we definitely don't want to waste it. So to give you a little context, during our recording, Lee's microphone stand fell over. So I had to take a pause and fix it. Thankfully, I left the recorder on, which allowed us to bring you this little gem. Programmatic was created and sung as we were fixing the microphone stand. With that being said, I present to you the full programmatic experience. Enjoy and see you next week. The dark room is a camera shop uh, that gets its design from two different buildings. The large camera that's used on the front of the shop is actually located at 5370 Wilshire Boulevard. This design is called Programmatic Architecture. It's totally programmatic <laughs> whenever you're around. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Now that's a callback. Yeah. <laughs> Shalabar, was it? Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> wait, wow. hold on. Wait, wait, Problems. While, while Lee fixes his microphone. All of the point. systems are down, 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 down. Programmatic. 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 Oh, this needs to be thinged over here. He's trying to control it. He's trying to make the mic work, but he can't get it done. There's a dog on a building depending on what game you go map you saw. Programmatic. 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 Oh my goodness. Oh, you act like you weren't expecting any weirdness when you showed up. <laughs> you think because it's like during the week we can't get in weird? <laughs> My chest hurts. Highly weird. Lee's beard is up the microphone and Kevin can't hear him speak. We're trying to follow along with this show, but it's totally Week, no way to control. <laughs> it's totally <laughs> programmatic. Lee's <laughs> beard is sticking to the mic. You just uh, like uh, to go down, <laughs> down, down, down. <laughs> wow. wow! How many people listen to this? <laughs> get, get the song. I don't care. Silly, where do you want to take? Was organic. Is it still? Is it falling over? <laughs> There we go. I'm do that. You got it. Is that, oh, everything right. good? Yeah. Think so. All Mike, right. Mike, check th- one, two. One, two, one, two. Check, baby, check, baby, one, two, three. What? Check, baby, check, baby, check. You want to uh, do the dark room all over again? No, I think oh, we're, I, can, I can cut in right there. Okay, okay. lose all right the there. programmatic. I'll leave it in. Lose the programmatic. We rarely all sing. You know, that's a lose the programmatic. All right, let's go. Now, programmatic architecture. That's where. That's where a building physically resembles its purpose.